So let's talk about choosing well at the thought buffet. I remember growing up, um, and the the first idea of a buffet, or you know, uh, an opportunity to choose my own food as a kid, was when our, our would be at family reunions, family gatherings, and all the different families would bring different kinds of food, um, and then as a kid, instead of having to sit at the table with my parents saying, okay, you got to eat some of all the vegetables. And, you know, I could just go there and put on my plate what I wanted. And on my mom's side of the family, there were certain foods that they would always bring that I just loved. We never really had um, pork much, but one of the families would always bring ham and I would pile this ham and, and then black olives. Oh, our family never had black olives. I would pile all the black out. So I would go back to wherever at the kids' table and basically have ham and some cheesy potatoes and some black olives. Because I got to choose. There were also these nasty old people's casserole salad kinds of things that some of the family was a member. And I avoided those like the plague. I knew they would kill me if I ate that stuff. <laughs> then you go to the other side of the family and, and you knew who, you know, so my mom's side of the family was kind of northern. My dad's side of the family is more southern. And there was fried everything. Fried, and it was, oh, I just pile all the stuff that I wanted to eat. And then um, as I got a little bit older, we would go to events like our Cub Scout pack dinner. Same thing. Buffet line, you got to just choose whatever you wanted. And you'd see some stuff and you go, that's not getting on my plate. And you see other stuff, oh, I want lots of that stuff. And, um, and then I, somewhere along the line, I, I learned that, I know you're not supposed to do this, but if, you, if you're um, wise and inconspicuous, you can hit the dessert table first. And there were desserts that my mom never made that I came to really love. But I got to choose. I got to college and um, discovered that uh, because I was a poor college student, there were some restaurants who had not only did they have buffets, they had all-you-can-eat buffets. So in college, we scouted out which places were what. So Sundays, um, Red Lobster had an all-you-can-eat popcorn shrimp buffet. Sundays, we were over there. $4.95, all-you-can-eat, college student. Give me some of those biscuits and all the shrimp you can eat. Thursday nights, we discovered Pizza Inn. I don't think they have Pizza Inn around here, but in Houston, Texas, they had Pizza Inn. Thursday nights, and I think it, when, we, when we first started back in the dark ages, it was like $1.99, all you can eat pizza. And so you would go there, and they would have the pizza laid out under these hot trays. A bunch of us guys from the basketball team would go in there and wipe them out in about 10 minutes. And they would just sit there for them to bring it out. 
and I, and then, you know, and then I discovered I could talk to the person who would bring the pizza out and say, can you bring out more of that black olive and pepperoni pizzas? Because I had never had black, I had black olives at the re- on pizza? It's a miracle. Amen. And so we would wipe, at, so after about six weeks of that, we walked in one Thursday and it was two ninety nine. <laughs> they discovered what we're and then Wyatt's cafeteria the basketball team would go to the Wyatt's cafeteria before the game and you could pick whatever you wanted I discovered chicken fried steak and they don't call it chicken fried steak up here they call it what um, country fried steak but it's fried like chicken and going whew. it was just wonderful buffets anything you want to eat you could choose whatever you want you could choose, and then I didn't have to listen to the he- to my mom and dad in my head and eat your vegetables. I could just eat chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes. <laughs> what? Oh, mashed potatoes is a vegetable. Technically. Exactly. <laughs> When I was young, I could get away with eating like that and continuing to function. But I discovered as I grew older that the items that I would choose from the buffet would determine my physical health, my energy, my mental acuity, everything about me. And so the choices that I made at the food buffet had an impact that I never recognized when I was younger. But now it has an impact. I think if I could track back and go back to those days, I would recognize now that the choices that I was making from that food buffet, buffet were actually impacting me even when I was in college. My level of energy, my ability to think in the afternoon, all those, those kinds of things. In addition to that, all of the caffeine that I consumed in those college days to just try to function, if I could, I, I just wasn't paying attention to the fact that it was having an effect on me. So now as an adult, I realize I have to choose wisely. And smart Alec Debbie over here is going, well, that's probably why your stomach hurts now, because you're, well, and it could be. It could be. A buffet is um, an opportunity to choose what we want. And what I've noticed as f- with buffets now as an adult and looking at it, um, pretty much everything about a buffet in our culture pushes us to eat things that are not most beneficial to us. Am I right? Have you noticed that? The way that our culture lays it out. So um, the additives that have been put in food that make them taste appealing don't necessarily mean that they're good for us. Um, If you walk into a grocery store, a grocery store is laid out so that you are pushed toward not the healthy foods, but the foods that make companies money and then are quick and easy in order to uh, eat the foods that will be most beneficial to us it costs more because there's a difference between real cheese that's made from 
um, animals that you want to have milk from and something that was present in our house the whole time going up called Velveeta. I don't think that's real food. But it'll last forever. <laughs> and there was something in it to cause us to have pleasure when we ate it. And so the cost of eating well, <clears throat> it's the, the intentionality of eating well, because there are, there are food choices that you have, they call them empty calories, right? Calories, it will give you some level of energy, but they're empty because they don't provide you nutritional benefit. And if we want to grow to be stronger and healthier, especially as we get to be adults, we have to be finicky. We have to be choosy. We have to be deliberate in what we're going to put into our system, into our body, because it impacts us, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, because we're not, you know, the spiritual isn't over here disaffected by everything else. Now, why do I go into all that? Because every day we stand at the thought buffet. Every moment of every day. When you wake up in the morning, you have a buffet of thoughts that you can choose from. What are you going to fill your mind with? What are you going to think about? As you go to brush your teeth and clean up, as you go to the breakfast table, as you head for work or school or wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, we have 24-7 a thought buffet in front of us from which we choose. And the choices that we make on that from that thought buffet is very similar to when I was younger, is there are things that are appealing that I want to think about that may not be good for me. They taste good, they feel good, but they don't lead me to becoming healthy in, with God and equipped as the person that God wants us to be. And I want to drive this home every, because every moment of every day we choose what we're going to put into our mind. And what we put into our mind makes a huge difference in the quality of our lives. Now, I also want to celebrate the growth that you have had. Because every time you open up the Bible to read the Bible, you're making a good thought buffet choice. Because you're putting into your mind the truths of God, the very words of God. Every time you read a book or a magazine or a website that moves your mind to the things of God or to what we're going to see he, he describes as good thoughts, you're making a good thought buffet choice. Every time you have a conversation that moves you to um, things that are praiseworthy or things that are pure or things that are noble. You're making good choices at the thought buffet. When you turn on music that moves your mind to God, and especially if it's music that causes you to out loud verbally give God praise, you're making good choices at the thought buffet that will have benefit and positive nutrition in your spiritual, mental, and emotional life. Every time you pause and direct your attention to God and say, God, what is it that you're seeing? And what do you want me to do here? You're making good choices at the thought buffet. Every time you deliberately choose what God pleases, and every time you deliberately stay away from the 
the thoughts on that buffet that aren't pleasing to God, that may look good, but you choose God instead, you're making a choice that God is pleased with. But there are also a lot of choices on that thought buffet that we may not yet understand are not good for us. So as a kid, I, I, it wasn't even on my mind when I went to the southern side of the family and chose from all of the greasy food what I was choosing. It was just, it tastes good and I like it. And there are choices that um, we don't understand that we're choosing because we like it, but it's moving us away from God rather than toward God. Every day, 24-7, we stand at the thought buffet. Now, the good news is we've got a loving Heavenly Father who sent His Holy Spirit to give us the help that we need to grow in our understanding on how to make the good choices and grow in Him. So a number of years ago when I started having a lot of digestive troubles and I was meeting with um, nutritionists and different people and, um, and they would give me a list of stuff that I'm supposed to eat and I would look down that list and look for something that I thought would taste good. And it was hard to find. Do you know why? Because all my life I had been trained by my dad who grew up in the southern kind of family, my mom who grew up on, on the cheap Scottish side of the family to have foods in front of me that weren't necessarily nutritious. And so my taste buds had developed an inclination towards that which is not good. And so when I was confronted with eating healthy, it was not appealing to me. And I had several people say to me, oh, eventually your taste buds will change and you will begin to like and desire the good food. And by and large, they lied to me. <laughs> there is some transition, there is some transformation, but it's not, it's not the default. It's still a choice to eat the stuff that's good for me, that, that is good for my gut. We will never get to the place spiritually where everything... Um, it, that our, our spiritual taste buds will always desire the good stuff. But here's what I have found. Spiritually, it's a lot more that way than it is physically. Because the longer we serve Him, the sweeter He grows. And the more that we serve Him, the more we discover that that is really what we desire. That's really what, what tastes the best. So let's take a look. Thinking skills that lead to, some, to, to our, the transformation of our minds. Number one, the first skill we need to develop is to take responsibility for our thought choices. We need to recognize that every day we stand at that thought buffet and every day it's my choice. I am not, there is no one in my life forcing me to think thoughts that God doesn't want me to think. I have a choice. I am not a victim. Let's look at... Uh, Philippians chapter 4, beginning of verse 1. <clears throat> so open your Bibles there. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, beginning of verse 1. Look at the choice. So we've, we've looked at this passage before, but 
This time I want you to notice the choices that he's telling us to make at the thought buffet. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord my beloved. Thought Thought choice number one, to choose things that will cause me to believe that God can help me to stand firm. Number two, all right, verse two, I entreat Yodia and entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of our fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Thought choice number two, I need to do whatever it takes to get along in the Lord. Now, right beside that thought choice is that person's a pain in the neck. I don't need to get along. I don't need to, I don't need a result. I could choose, I, or, or to think about that person in a negative way, criticize, gossip. No, the thought choice is, no, God wants me to do this. I will do this. How do I do this? Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. That's a thought choice. Am I going to complain or am I going to rejoice? I will say it again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your gentleness or your, your uh, being a conduit of God's presence be known to everyone. That's a choice. The Lord is at hand. That's a choice to believe that. Do not be anxious about anything. That's a choice. Do not be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, choosing when I want to, when I face things that cause me to worry, instead of worrying, I'm going to pray in relationship with God. I'm going to ask supplication. I'm going to give thanksgiving. I'm going to make my request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so there's the buffet. We'll, we'll look at them more specifically in, in just a moment. But every day, it's cho- I have a choice to choose these items. What you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And so as we um, identify that we need to uh, take responsibility for our thought choices, we need to recognize that that we make choices that are informed and uninformed. And we need to recognize that we need to get more informed. That's how the study of the Bible course is about understanding how to do that. Um, So as we stand at the thought buffet, we also need other people around us helping us see that. Um, So have you ever stood at a buffet and you're you're taking a scoop of something that you really want to eat and then um, somebody close to you, like your wife or um, somebody says, why are you taking a scoop of that? And in that moment you realize, yeah, I'm taking it because this is not good for me. This is probably not going to do, but I want it. But a moment ago, I wasn't really thinking about it. I wasn't really informed. But at that moment, I was. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do if we give him a chance. Amen. So oftentimes we push him out of the way. There, we need to become greater informed. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good. Right? Randy's up here going, Velveeta tasted really good. Anybody want to say, oh, he was making good choices? Right? 
Belfides, I don't know what that does to your system. Just because it smells good, just because it tastes good, doesn't make it good, either in physical life or in our thought life. So when I was, a, when you get together with your family, is it like my family where people start telling stories about one another? Well, I haven't gone back to Springfield to help with my mom for two weeks in the last month. There was some of that. And so my sister and my brother started ganging up on me. And don't you feel sorry for me? Because no. <laughs> I was the big brother. And I, I'm hearing stories I never heard before. But they're also reminding me of things that are legend in the Schaefer family. And one of those legends that somebody, usually my brother, brings up is, Hey, remember when you were a kid? And you used to eat rocks. So here's the family legend story. When Herbie was little, like two and three, I would go out in the backyard. And every time they came in the house, whoever was the adult that was home had to stop me at the door and, and reach into my mouth because every time I would put rocks in my mouth as a, as a toddler. Now, I don't know if I had a mineral deficiency, if it was my mother's cooking. I don't know what... But every time I would have rocks in my mouth and I had to spit them out. Now, there is no nutritional value in rocks out of the backyard, right? I think I was the source of that thing where, you know, you say you got to eat a pound of dirt a year, you know? Well, I was, a, you know, I was a high achiever. <laughs> now, so you, you're talking to little Herbie, two years old. Why are you eating rocks? Because I like to. I don't, I, because they taste good, because they feel good in my mouth. I don't know. But there are times in our lives when we're doing that spiritually. Yeah. We're putting stuff into our minds that has no value. And we're making terrible choices, uninformed choices, informed choices. There's also deliberate choices and thoughtless choices. Our choices at the Thought Buffet need to be the deliberate choices, informed as we learn more and more what it means to choose the thoughts of God, and then deliberately choosing that which draws us closer to God. Otherwise, we begin to look like um, the farm animals on, on uh, my Uncle John and Aunt Dorothy's farm. We would go to their house and we'd come through the house go out the back door, go through the barnyard, and there were chickens everywhere and horses. And, and then we would, we would have a bucket in our hands and we would carry it to the fence and put this bucket of slop into this trough. And these huge animals would come running over to the slop. They never paused to look to see what was in that trough. They never ask us, was that good food? Was that nutritional before you put it in my trough? They just were completely indiscriminate animals. They would, those pigs would eat anything. Amen. And it occurred to me that there are people who call themselves Christians who look a lot like that. They're at an indiscriminate trough. They're not choosing wisely or deliberately or intentionally the things of God, they're just whatever happens and whatever happens to be there. And the, everybody else is doing it, so why not? Don't be a pig. But bacon tastes really good. 
deliberate choices. So choose, choose your thought choices. Take responsibility for your thought choices. Well, there are no victims. And so what we need to do is to watch and choose with God. Watch and choose with God. What I mean by that is we talk a lot around here about starting your day on your knees. Surrendering your day to God. Thank, God, thank you for this day. I surrender myself to you. Help me to listen and obey you as I go through my day. Knees and then nudges as you go through listening to the Holy Spirit nudging you. That's, that's, that's intentionally stopping with God and watching. Having a quiet time. Having a time where you're reading the Bible. You're doing the, the loyalty lessons. You're reading the devotional book. Spending time with God so that He's recalibrating you to understand what good information is, what truth is. But then 24-7, as we go through our day, we need to be constantly aware with God, the Holy Spirit saying, is this a good thought choice or not? What I'm reading, what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, what I'm saying, what I, the kind of conversations that I'm having, every part of that is putting thoughts in our head that make, that set the trajectory for us. Look at a couple of verses here. Psalm 119 verses... Um, 103, 104. How sweet are your words to my taste. That's recalibrated thinking. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, instructions, principles, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. What he's describing is standing at the thought buffet and recognizing these are of God and these are going to be good. These are, not only do they taste good, but they will be nutritious to my soul. But then in verse 104, he says, I hate every false way. Right beside that are false ways that look just appealing. They're probably fried because fr everything fried tastes better. And so he says, taste. Um, and then Proverbs 24, 13 and 14. My son, eat honey for it is good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. Making good thought choices, the wisdom of God, so that we're putting his thoughts in our minds. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. It sets the trajectory so that you're in step with God. So my challenge is take responsibility for what you put in your mind. Don't just, everybody's doing it, everybody's eating it, everybody's having it, what difference does it make? Recognize that everything that we do, take responsibility. You are responsible. You stand at that thought buffet. There's no grumpy, mean lunch lady standing beside you, forcing you to put stewed tomatoes on your plate. And I'm not bitter about that. I just, it was a bad experience. <laughs> Number two, the second skill to learn is to distinguish between God and bad thought choices. Notice I didn't say good, I said God. Learn to distinguish. We are at, when we are kids, we don't, we don't know what's good and bad. When we are new Christians, we are baby Christians, we don't know what's good and bad immediately. We have to learn. It's a skill at the thought buffet. Remember, just because it looks, smells, or tastes good, even spiritually, just because, and that's why there's the prosperity gospel out there that is appealing to so many people because it taps into the human side. 
There are things that just kind of get us a buzz and, and, or judgmental and we feel better because we're, you know, we're looking down at somebody else. There's all kinds of religious stuff out there. We don't know what's good unless we learn to distinguish between God and bad thoughts. So look at your Bible in Philippians chapter 4 again, verse 8. Here's the list that he gives to us. We talked about last week. I wanted to review it again. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, intentionally, deliberately train yourself to think about these things. All of these qualities, all of these Uh, descriptions are descriptions of who God is and his ways. And so every time we choose something in one of these categories, we're choosing God and his ways. So he says, true, that which is conformed to the truth, things that are honest, things that are reliable. Um, And so we stand at the thought buffet every, every time. Am I choosing things that are true? Because right beside that pan of truth will be a pan of untruth. And it can look good. It can seem to be true. It can be encouraged and um, recommended by other people who are claiming to follow Christ and still not be true. Do you know how? To distinguish, you get to know this so well that everything filters through the truth of God. Amen. And so you, it, it, you may have to look at it a little bit. You may have to check the ingredients because um, there are, there are, ha, have you ever gone into somebody's house and there's a wonderful looking bowl of fruit on the table and, and they, they've seated you there and they said, make yourself at home and you reach for it and it's wood. And you look at it, it goes, it looks just like an apple. The devil comes as a liar. And he will present that which isn't true in such an appealing way. If you don't know the nuances, that you won't recognize it. True. Things that are honorable, that is dignified, worthy of respect according to God's value. Those things that are majestic and awe-inspiring. Um, that have God have value and God's value. Right beside those will be a pan of trivialities, earthly, base, in the mud kind of stuff that aren't worth thinking about. Just, that which is righteous, that conforms to God's standards. Well, how do you know if it conforms to God's standards? By getting to know the Word of God. So that you have that Understanding, you can run it through and you know which to choose. Um, And so he's talking about righteous, conformed to God's truth. Um, Number four is pure, wholesome, not mixed with moral impurity, untainted. Um, Well, it just has a little bit of untruth in it. Just has a little bit of 
stuff that isn't majestic or honorable. Just a little bit. So last week I talked about, <clears throat> and by the way, I've heard more comments about a bug in my coffee <laughs> than about Philippians chapter 4 this week. <laughs> so, because it catches our attention. So last week, <clears throat> if you remember that, so um, I ended up with a bug in my coffee. I had, it was a full cup of coffee, bug in my coffee. It was just taking up a little bit of space in my coffee cup. It's just a little bit bad. So do you think that I, after I took that, you know, had it in my mouth, spit it out, what do you think I did with the rest of that cup of coffee? Yeah, why wouldn't I drink it? it the bug wasn't in it anymore. I mean, it was just a little bit tainted, wasn't it? Mm. But none of you would want to drink that cup of coffee afterwards? There's an old story about a dad who made brownies and put just a little bit of poop in it. Because his kids wanted to watch things and listen to things that just had a little bit of immorality and a little bit of profanity. A little bit. And he says, okay, well... Um, would you eat these poop brownies? It just has a little bit of poop in it. So why would we watch something that just has a little bit of things that lead us away from God? Why would we... You see, you know, are, are you getting the picture? Pure, lovely, makes us loving toward others, kind, promotes peace, is attractive. That which is commendable, positive, constructive, builds up rather than tears down. And then it, it, his last two, excellence or praiseworthy, is kind of a summary or a catch-all of it, all the things that are of God. If anything of worth, anything of, of virtue. Um, and so I was listening to Alistair Begg this week. He was talking about Philippians, an old sermon, Philippians chapter 4. And, and, he's, and he, here's his recommendation. Anytime you're standing at the... Thought buffet wasn't in his sermon, but it, my idea is that if you, anytime you're sitting at that thought buffet and you've got all of these choices, and when you're making those choices, run it through the list. That was his phrase. Run it through the list. Run it through the list. Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is it praiseworthy? Is it excellent? If it's not, don't take it off the buffet. Amen. Just run it through the list. I think that's good advice. Run it through the list. Finally, number three, and I, I wasn't quite sure how to phrase this, so you can give me your recommendations. But here's the idea. Double think your thought choices. Here's what I mean by that. There are two levels of making thought choices. The first is choosing what we're going to think about. That's the topic. The next level and this might be the most important part of what we talk about today, is choosing what you will think about, about the thing that you're thinking about. Now some of you are going, in fact, most of you are. Here's what I mean about it. Uh, so here's an illustration, then we're going to look at two passages of Scripture. When I'm saying to get the thought buffet, I cho the, there's a pan of thinking thoughts about God. I can pick that up and put it on my plate. But the next is, what am I going to think about God? Because there are people all around us who are thinking about God. Allah, Buddha, they're thinking about God. But what am I going to think about God? 
Paul and Silas, same Paul who wrote the, the letter to the Philippians while he was in Philippians, was arrested, beaten, put into the center part of the jail, in stocks, doesn't know what's going to happen, beaten, bruised, midnight, he's in the jail. And he and Silas have to choose from the thought buffet what they're going to think about. They can't sleep, probably because they were in pain. And so they have to choose. We're going to think about God. What are, but what are they going to think about God? Are they going to cry out and say, God, why did you let this happen? That's thinking about God. God, we're serving you. This is not fair. That's thinking about God. This, God, why did you, why are we having to go through all of this stuff? We are serving you and, and their minds could go back to all the things that they've done for God. And those are all ways that you can think about God. But their choice, their second level choice was, we're going to praise him. Because God is God and he knows what he's doing and he is with us. And so what they chose to think about God was singing hymns of praise and honor to God. Do you, you see where I'm going with this? You can think about God, but what are you going to think about? That's the second level. So let me give you a couple of pictures. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 39. Begin with verse 6. Genesis chapter 39 is a part of the story of Joseph, one of um, Jacob's sons, who God had given him some incredible gifts of prophecy, seeing visions. He got on the wrong side of his brothers. They sold him into slavery. He ended up as a slave in Egypt. And then uh, in a, the house of Potiphar, he excelled as a manager of the household. And as a young man, away from home, as a slave, betrayed by his brothers, doesn't know what he's going to do, he has to make some thought choices about what he's going to think about God. So here he is serving in that house. And it says, verse 6, So um, Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and in appearance. And after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. He's a slave. He's in that house. He doesn't have a choice but to see Potiphar's wife, who makes a pass at him. He, he has to think about her. And that's where we are. When we're at work, when we're at school, we're in different places. There are things in front of us that we're forced to consider. So he has to think about her, but he has a choice. That second level choice is what am I going to think about? as I think about her. He refused, verse 8, and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do? Here's the key. Notice what he says. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? God. The issue was not Potiphar or Potiphar's wife or the invitation to commit adultery. The issue was, I'm thinking about God. In every circumstance, I'm choosing to think God thoughts instead of bad thoughts. And so he refuses because he's thinking about God. Turn over um, a little bit in your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 11. <clears throat> 
Similar situation. <clears throat> Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David, King David, David and Goliath David, sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites, and they besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. David stood at the thought buffet, and when his responsibility was to go out with the armies of God and lead them, he chose the pan beside it that said, oh, you know, you've been at this a long time, and you're tired. You ought to just stay home because you're worth it. And so he, he, his thought choice was not God. It was himself. And as a result, he stayed home. Verse 2, it happened one, late one afternoon when David arose from his couch at the palace and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. Joseph was approached by Potiphar and he chose to think about, see her, but think about God and what God would want to do and so he chose the right thought choice. David was at the palace instead of out on the battlefield. He's standing on his porch and he looks over and he sees a woman bathing. And his thought choice, the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. He continued to think about her being naked when he should have been out on the battlefield. His thought choice was leading him to take scoop after scoop of thought choices that were awful. Poop brownies, bug coffee, all the stuff that's tainted that is going, and the thought choices that he makes are going to lead him um, to experience horrible consequences and will affect thousands of people. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers. Another thought, I, I will send for her. And took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. In Joseph's story, how could I sin against God? Because he knew the thought choices he needs to be making. In David's choice, it was, I want what I want. And I'm going to continue to take from the thought buffet the thoughts that will lead to my pleasure. And the consequences led to devastation. How's your skill level? Have you come to recognize that you have a choice? You are not a victim. You aren't forced to think about... Um, think bad thoughts about anything. Even if you're at work and people are talking and you, you, know, you can't help having stuff come into yours. Yeah, th that stuff happens. But you can't, the, the second level choice is I don't have to buy into that. I don't have to participate in that. I don't have, I don't have to go there. Have you developed that skill? Have you developed the skill of understanding what good and bad? That's an ongoing lifetime deeper learning so that we recognize immediately what's good, what's bad, what's evil, and, and what to do with it. 
And then having our thought life so intact that we become like Joseph so that every thought, every situation, we're running it through this grid of, is this a God thing or is this a bad thing? Is this a God thing? And so he looks at Potiphar's wife and he goes, how could I sin against God? And it's as if he doesn't even see her. He sees the face of God. And he says, I'm going to choose God. David, on the other hand, a man after God's own heart who had done great things for God, is making these little choices that lead to worse choices, lead to worse choices, lead to worse choices. There's a scripture that says your sin will find you out. Thought choices that you're making today will have consequences later. If you're making bad choices at the thought buffet, you're going to experience consequences. And, and Satan has a strategy by which he will pull the rug out from under you at the, at the time that will cause greatest destruction. So let me challenge you. What are you choosing at the thought buffet? What are you choosing to think about? What are you choosing to put into your mind? By what you see, what you hear, what you watch, what the conversations that you have, from the media, from books that you read, from the thought buffet. It would be better to discard something that has just a little bit, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be a big deal, but it might be. Set that aside and say, God, would you give me something better? Because you have a heavenly father who wants to give you something better. If you're willing to surrender that, which you have a hard time letting go. So would you bow your heads? What jumped out at you today? What did the Holy Spirit bring to the surface for you? What is God telling you about that which jumped out? What action do you need to take? What change do you need to make? And then what do you need to do in response? We have a loving Heavenly Father who wants what's best for us. And He's willing to stand at that buffet with us and guide us. Lord, what do you want me to take from this buffet today? Point it out. Show me. And we know that when he does that, it will be better than anything that we could imagine. Lord, I pray that you would uh, keep these truths in our minds as we go about our week. That you would help us to make the changes that will guide us to think your thoughts and to follow your ways. I pray for each person here and that God, they would um, sense your incredible love for them, but also experience the conviction as you put your finger on things they need to surrender, confess, give up, change. Give us all the courage to do that so that we can truly be the pure bride of Christ that you delight in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.